cocaine sells, and Hollywood has been selling it ever since its origin. In this episode, we will explore how pain of minorities is portrayed in the media, as well as how general violence and trauma that is so rampant in media today ultimately is at the root of issues like gun violence. In the last decade, we have seen the likes of Dejano Unchained, Lincoln, 12 Years a Slave, Free Seat of Jones, and other films that make hundreds of millions of dollars and get prestigious awards. America's obsession and ad- almost admiration with slave narrative continues to be kind of a black eye on society's movement to a post-racial America. It serves kind of as a constant reminder of how little uh, we have been able to remove ourselves from our, the past and almost gain a, uh, a real perspective on how horrible the past was. Uh, instead, people are kind of making light of it by using it as entertainment. This was really f- seen in uh, 2017 when HBO announced uh, their upcoming show, Confederate. Uh, it wasn't quick before hashtag no confederate was a trending topic worldwide because there was such a outcry from users um, that shared their discontent over HBO's attempt to write an alternative history narrative where slavery never ended and trying to depict what it would have looked like in 2017. While many are infuriated at this concept, it really comes as no surprise Hollywood has been doing this. It has a long history of rehashing the trauma of slavery, Jim Crow, and basically leveraging the pain of minorities to create profitable movies. But for minorities themselves, there's really no need to see people depicted as modern-day slaves or the people that look like them and really in pain when they live in a country where we sometimes feel like the effects of those um, racist laws, Jim Crow slavery, really hasn't ended. And movies and TV shows often show black bodies specifically in really gory scenes. An example is in the movie Them, and it's a film that kind of intertwines horror, historical fiction with racial commentary. It's it's based in Jim Crow era, and it's filled with a lot of black characters that experience some of the most painful situations. One of these scenes stands out for its horror, where a black infant is being murdered while the mother is raped. Clearly, this kind of exaggerated display of pain is only to bring in viewers, but the question really remains, is this ethical for Hollywood to profit off of black pain in this way? Instead of depicting black actors in a variety of different movies that feature them in different kinds of scenes and uh, scenarios, Hollywood for long has focused on bringing the horrors of slavery and Jim Crow to the big screen in increasingly disturbing ways. The directors of such films defend their work by saying that these movies will help the public sympathize with the black community because they can see how savage slavery and racism in America really was. However, as a black person, while I can see where they are coming from, I don't see this explanation as genuine. When these films are made, it is one of the only places black people, especially youth, see themselves represented in mainstream media. Instead of making these figures, ones to look up to and inspire, we're having black people have to relive the trauma of their ancestors as entertainment. And these movies really do not have any call to their audience to make a change. They just rehash what has happened and use it as shock value to entertain viewers. Anyone can see how wrong this is if you look at it from the perspective of a people that have heard the stories of their grandparents told about Jim Crow and the horror they see every other day on social media where they see their own get killed. 
there's no need for them to see even more horror. Clearly, it's not important to show this traumatized group how traumatizing the reality is through movies. Here we can see through the slide because these directors really only care about one thing, entertaining non-black audiences that can watch black people in excruciating pain without wincing themselves because they don't see themselves in the screen. They don't see themselves in those characters. What this does normalize is black pain, right? As be people become kind of desensitized and normalized to the violence against black people. And it's not as jarring because they've seen it hundreds of times in movies, um, black people brutalized. And I think it makes it easier for people to look at police brutality and not have like kind of a very, very strong reaction to it. In an op-ed, um, Shakina Johnson wrote about Hollywood's obsession with black trauma that I feel like really just explains all of this and puts it in really good words. She calls this whole idea Hollywood black trauma profit fatigue, right? The fatigue that black people have experienced because of Hollywood's constant use of their pain to make profit. She writes, since 2013, it seems as if the most fertile ground for black cinema has been trauma. Here, I want to emphasize that she's saying this is the most fertile ground. This is really the biggest representation black people are getting in cinema. She continues and says, and if a director wants an Oscar, they'll throw in a white savior for good measure. Yet the proliferation of black narratives feels excessive. Black people don't need 50 police brutality films a year to remind us of the injustices we faced and continue to face. We've been knowing. Imagine forcing Harriet Tubman or Solomon Northup to rewatch what they've lived through several times a year, supposedly for entertainment. I've begun to wonder how much directors genuinely want to investigate black trauma and how much they wish to profit from it, knowing it is a tried and tested path to critical acclaim. What is so interesting about all of this is that the people making these films are often black themselves. They use the trauma of their people to make money because they want to make it out for themselves. And a lot of the times entertainment is what, the biggest ways black people, I guess, can attain high levels of wealth because of a lack of generational wealth. There's a lack of resources to make it out, you know, through education. So this is really one of the biggest ways. And here lies a great lesson in the psychology of human behavior um, because often, you know, the black community views people within it as part of one community, right? Because people have felt like they need to stick together to get through the hard times um, in America's past. But the thing is, people will turn on the people in their community, sell them out just like that if it means that they get something better for themselves, right? This human behavior of uh, selfishness uh, really shows here. And it's not really to say that these directors are evil, right? They're doing what they can do to make their lives better. But it's just kind of something that shows us kind of the core of human um, nature. This aim to appeal to white audiences with traumatic experiences of minorities doesn't just stop at the black community, though. It extends into the lives of other minorities, even though it's not as frequent. So American Dirt is a story about Linda Perez a middle-class Mexican woman who owns a bookstore and is married to a journalist and then has a son named Luca. When a drug lord starts to visit her shop, they become close. However, when Lydia's husband decides to write an article on him, it comes with a lot of consequences, including his life. Lydia and Luca are then forced to flee across the border to America. This book was given a lot of like great reviews by the biggest publishers, which were majority you know, white publishers. But the Mexican community was horrified at how gory it was. And 
they were really appalled that the book uses an experience that is so real for many as entertainment and furthermore pushes the idea that Mexicans uh, are defined by immigration and drug cartels. And these people ultimately, like their uh, outcry makes sense. Their hor- them being horrified makes sense because they see so little of themselves in the media and the only time they do see themselves is in these stereotypical ways that reinforce these stereotypes to the broader white audience and makes their reality harder to live in, right? Because they have to deal with people's unconscious bias that kind of puts them together with uh, immigration, pain, drug cartels, all of these things, um, a stereotypical view of them. And it causes people to underestimate them, all of these things. It has effects on people and their lives. And that's why this outcry comes from these communities, the, the white audiences that it's made for. Because when you see yourself in a media, it's different than when you see another group of people. Because ultimately, right, when we see somebody that looks like us, it creates closeness with that person. Especially for minorities, because there's so few of them. Um, there's kind of this community mindset. So this outcry really makes sense in the context of uh, seeing it from that perspective of like there's a, already a lack of representation and the only representation is really using people's pain for entertainment now i know people may think that uh, have been stories that have been told like this for years right there are plenty of horror and crime related movies a lot of violent movies with all white casts it's true but again we go back to this idea of representation right for white people they are depicted in a wide array of roles from ghost to murderer to dancer to prom queen to astronaut whatever it is however for minorities right this representation is only given when they are secondary characters i won't say only but most of the time minorities are depicted as secondary characters right and then when they are given primary roles in movies it is too often about pain and not displaying people of color in regular rom-coms or just when their race doesn't define the plot. This is important for youth, especially in modern times, where they consume so much content from Hollywood. These youth need uplifting voices that show people like them having fun and overcoming arbitrary challenges like the mean girl at school or experiencing normal coming-of-age stories. Instead of seeing people that look like them or that look like their father, look like their mom, murdered and brutalized, the effect of continuing to depict black people in unilateral ways just repeats cycles of pain in the communities. And we clearly see this in hip hop music today or rap and also in the persona that black rappers have to kind of put up and how destructive it can be. One of the most popular rappers today is Future. And as rap has become a genre that has become filled with horror, as people from the most dysfunctional and under-resourced parts of America uh, try to kind of display their pain, make sense of their pain by expressing it in raw lyrics that are more than shocking. And the shock value has garnered rap popularity and it is now kind of the number one genre. So we again see in this this music, uh, black people using their trauma, selling their trauma to attract audiences wider than the black community because it has become more consumed today. Back in the day, there was still hip-hop. It, it, you know, it kind of referred to um, gangster culture and things like that. But the just absolute goriness of today's rap music is, in my opinion, a way to create shock value to attract white audiences. And it has worked because especially young white people have seen it as kind of like edgy and cool. And it has obviously made these rappers really rich. I talk about this to talk about um, the rapper Future and how um, he is 
one of those artists that uses their lyrics um, in a very dark, vulgar way, you know, glamorizing addiction, just all types of uh, really destructive things, hookup culture, etc. And he's very marketable to American, and he has become extremely rich off of his music. But for the first time, um, he uh, admitted this on Genius Interview after his project, The Wizard. And he says that he stopped using lean, which is kind of like an alcoholic substance made out of cough syrup. And he said it, it's hard when fans are so used to a certain persona and you're afraid to change. He described his reluctance to announce his sobriety publicly because he was afraid of backlash, afraid that his fans would judge him because of his new lifestyle that's actually way more healthy. We see here that he basically took on an exaggerated persona uh, of pain and endorsed activities that are destructive, right? That he's tr now trying to get away from because that was the only way that he could break through the market and get famous and, you know, gain uh, critical acclaim. And sure, there's other ways. Like, I'm not saying there's not any other way for black people to get famous. But if we see the most common way, it's either through athletics or through um, rap. And there's a reason for that, right? In those areas, well, athletics is a little different because um, it's about ability, right? But with, like, music, only black people can really deliver that music that is so full of pain, right? Because if we look at these um, neighborhoods um, where these people come from, right? It is because of the effects of redlining, uh, segregation. All of those things in our past have created these extremely poor, dysfunctional places where people have to grow up literally consuming trauma. Um, I, we've discussed this in past episodes in the general trauma of the slave, but there's so much trauma that these people really don't have any other access to success. The education they can receive is very bad, right? Those schools are broken down. Um, and then on top of that, the, you know, just the mental health aspect of living in those kinds of places, it, it blocks you from even being able to uh, do well in school, as we've also discussed in how trauma affects your ability to get educated and just so many kind of obstacles. But when it comes to rap music, all people have to do is record their pain. And again, because there's this just obsession that the world has with black pain and just the things that come from that black community uh, or the culture, it, it just works. And I think that's what Future needed to kind of keep up this persona until at least he got to a level where he was extremely famous and he can't really just go back to being a regular person. But it just shows you how he had to make himself more traumatized, more in pain, just to satisfy other people's need or obsession with seeing uh, this kind of pain and trauma. So in a tweet by Barita Umfram perfectly encapsulates this idea. She says, depression and trauma follows hip-hop artists. It follows them because, you know, that they grew up with it and they continue to express it. And that trauma transformed into music is eagerly devoured by fans. This quote really stuck out to me because it says eagerly devoured. It's not just like, oh, you know, like this, this music, like, uh, like it's sad. Or it's like, this music is, you know, it, it says something about our world. That's not how people receive this music. They devour it. They eagerly devour it, excited about it, and almost like using it as a way to tr transport themselves into that, you know, really dark and um, uh, scary, but kind of, you know, edgy uh, lifestyle. They view it that way. They don't view it as people genuinely struggling to live every day, you know, like the people um, I've heard other rappers, they're not as famous because, of course, they don't endorse the pain like um, Future and other rappers do. But they talk about how like it's not something to glamorize. It's not something that um, anybody wants to really live in. 
but for some reason the music that promotes it is like consumed as if it's something that can create joy and a lot of people use it to create joy and a lot of people use it to have fun but if you really listen to what they're saying it's it's extremely sad and a lot of creators really struggle with not creating content that repeats the cycle Tessie Buchanan, a creative writer, talks about how he struggles to not always make commentary on racial issues when he writes. Because most of the content that he has consumed with black characters, right, it goes back to the lack of representation with youth that youth see. All of the things that he's really consumed, most of the things that he's consumed with black characters have been really centered about race. And so when he writes, right, we kind of create what we've consumed and we inspire our creations with what we've consumed. So he's inspired by these things and consistently makes commentary on racial issues. But he has ultimately realized that, um, and this is his quote, it is emotionally draining and debilitating for black people to see more representation of people that look like them in uh, trauma and pain. Um, he emphasizes the need for black joy where people of color can have accurate and diverse representation that is catered to various experiences rather than just teaching a white audience. However, the issue of Hollywood using trauma to create profits extends further. Movies and shows uh, often contain a lot of violence and gory details nowadays, regardless of if it's about minorities or not. Um, studies show how like action movies like this uh, don't have a direct impact on behavior um, in terms of like going out and committing violence. However, I am convinced that it definitely has an effect on our sensitivity to violence. And we really don't have to look far to see this. There are so many school shootings, mass shootings that happen all over America. I mean, almost every day now, at least once a week. And it's only increased, but there seems to be no national outcry for gun control. Only like a certain, certain group of people are c crying out. A lot of like it's so it's such a divided issue, right? Like people are divided on whether or not we should protect children. And that really shows us the state of our perspective on the value of human life, because we just have seen so many people dying in, in media that we consume. Right. Even if it's fiction. Right. It's still a person. It's still a person. And we're seeing that our brains are consuming that as a human being that is experiencing uh pain we're seeing blood right and that just makes our brains or desensitized to violence right because when you see things so often it becomes normal and even in video games like i was shocked one time because I, I saw my um, cousins playing like call of duty or something like that and i know it's supposed to be like fiction it's like characters but you're like if you look at it from an outside perspective right it's literally the person killing and shooting people going around and finding people to shoot right and I'm not saying people didn't go out and shoot people because of that. That's not what causes school shootings all the time. But really, it's just about our psyches, right? And how subconsciously we are getting normalized and we are not seeing the loss of human life as something that is as jarring as it actually is. We're not seeing it as shocking and as that something that takes us back and makes us just disgusted, right? It takes away that disgust from the loss of human life. And if we don't have that disgust, there's a lot of empathy for other people when they're in pain. There is, you know, just a lack of outcries we've seen for gun control. Just It just filters into so many things and it's very harmful. I feel that a lot of people need to wake up and see it for what it is. It is fun, right? You know, we use media, Hollywood, sells us fun. But at the same time, we have to see some of the things in our culture for what they are. And the use of pain to create entertainment is ultimately something that leads to society breaking down. It leads to a lack of representation for minority youths that 
ultimately cause them to repeat cycles of pain instead of moving towards a world where we are more empathetic more caring towards other humans we begin to see suffering as normal how then can we expect people go out and recognize suffering and and work to fix it be humanitarians right how can we expect people to do that and how can people even find in themselves the motivation and the anger and like against injustice to do that when in their brains it has become normal to see human bodies especially minority in pain and how trauma has become currency i hope that you've learned something in this episode and that you take something away about our media and have kind of gained a different perspective on it as always thank you for watching and we'll see you next time